Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, Mandy here. Or Mandra. You can call me Mandra. That's fine. I have a simple request for you guys. We get so many questions on how you can support the show. And there's really a very, very simple thing that we need you guys to do. Open up this app, open up wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and subscribe if you have the ability, especially those of you who are on iTunes. We're really making a push to get the show more visible. You've seen that we've partnered with a fabulous new network called Westwood One, but we also need the support of our listeners. So if you are a listener, a loyal listener, please subscribe. And if you haven't yet, take a few seconds and leave a five-star review. And even a written review would be the icing on the cake, but at least subscribe, leave us a five-star review and continue to support the show. This is so, so crucial. It is basically how we tell the internet that our podcast is worth promoting and featuring and getting charted. And we deserve to be at the top of the charts, just like any other show out there. We can't do it without your support. So thank you very, very much. Subscribe, like, and review the show. And we thank you so much. We're having a book, y'all. What? We are having a book. So I had to give you guys the epic hey, hey, hey. Oh my gosh, Mandra. Yes. This is your week. My and baby's here. Your my baby's we, my here. Rio's here. <laughs> oh my god. It's a book. I know. So it's, it's, it feels surreal because I went into Barnes and Nobles today and at first I didn't see it. And then I saw it and I was like, you know. I don't know how to explain it, but I'll just say this, that 11 or 12 years ago or whatever, like when the my first book, um, One Week Budget, which I self-published, came out, I went to Barnes & Nobles and because a friend of mine was like, I got a new camera. Do you have pictures? And I was like, no. He's like, you want pictures? I was like, I guess. So my roommate at the time, because you know, sis was broke. I was living in a room. So literally roommate at the time. Now, Lauren was a budding makeup artist. And I was like, Lauren, Ricky bought a camera and he said he wants to take pictures. And he said, bring my books to Barnes and Nobles. I didn't know what he had in mind. And I think I'm going to bring my favorite uh, almost church dress, but looks kind of professional dress. Can you do my face? And she was like, sure. I don't know why we didn't do faces at home, but we did it in the bathroom at Barnes and Nobles. And I got dressed in the bathroom. At the Barnes <laughs> Not and even in the car. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in the nasty bathroom. Yes. <laughs> and so I came out and put like 11 books on the shelf. 
And Ricky, <laughs> with his new big camera, proceeded to snap. La, la, la. <laughs> to snap. And I remember thinking, I didn't even think, like, is this allowed? It wasn't because the manager comes over and says, you can't do that. You cannot do that. I was like, what? So Ricky, in all his brazenness, says, keep posing. <laughs> so he's like, what? We'll leave. I'm so like, just imagine, what? We'll leave. I'm sorry. Okay. And so I have these pictures and I cannot wait because I'll be posting on my social the epic how it started. And yesterday I went to, Bar- well, today I went to Barnes and Nobles with my book legally on the bookshelves. And legally taking pictures to how it's going. So I can't wait to put up side by side. You can see my locks are way longer. I got, you know, a few extra pounds on my booty. Um, but my book is on the shelf for real this time. And it's my face on it. It just, it still hasn't hit. Because I'm not going to lie. It still feels like I put my book on the shelf, you know? Hmm. But you walked in there and it was just someone else put it on there, Tiffany. I know. I know. Did I'm you not gonna sign lie, any no. secretly? Or I did. No, like- the lady, Um, I asked her, I was like, um, am I allowed to push these to the front? Because they had them on like the third shelf. I was like, yeah, I'd like it right here, eye level. She was like, yes. Wait, are you the author? I said, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, will you sign them? I'm like, am I allowed? She's like, yes. She said, as a matter of fact, let me go get stickers. Because we actually have stickers that say autographed. I was like, oh my goodness. So she was so awesome. Shout out to Laura of Barnes and Nobles in Clifton, New Jersey. I signed the books there and she took pictures of me signing the books. She's like, she asked me if she could post it to our so- to their social. I said, absolutely. And my I brought my friend Rihanna with me. I mean, we did a whole photo shoot. We did video. We did boomerangs. We did Instagram. Girl, I went live. <laughs> I did all the things. <laughs> I did all the things. Oh, but it just, like, it's so crazy because it's been such hard work. I mean, y'all know I work hard, but it's a different level of hard work pushing out this book. It was a different level. And yet this week, because this is launch week, it's a very important week. This week determines, you know, you're going to make New York Times bestseller. This week determines a lot. Like, do people want to work with you again? It, You know, like very few books do poorly in the first week and then go on to greatness. Like, you know, this kind of sets the tone. And mm-hmm. yet I'm going into this week feeling really calm. Because my team and I have already done like the work. We've already sold thousands and thousands and thousands of books already. And so I, I just think the audience is ready. Honestly, I encourage you to go into Barnes & Noble, uh, put my book in the front, because don't, don't let them play you. If my book <laughs> is not on the new, because there's like there's a section that says new nonfiction, if it's just in the regular finance or business section, be like, um, sis, this is a brand new book. It needs to be here because some of the Barnes and Nobles can decide where they want to put it. But if, you know, if you ask, they will put it in the new section because it deserves to be in the new section so people can see. But yeah, it just feels like surreal because you know what, like what's best of all is that it's a good book. And I'm usually hard on myself. You know me, Mandy. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, but it's a good book. I feel really proud that like I wrote something that's actually good and it's going to be really helpful. And it's really just going to transform people's lives. Like it's a good book. And I was like, Tiffany, well done. I re- I don't know the last time I told myself well done. And and I can honestly say not the marketing, not that, but like the book itself, I can honestly say Tiffany job well done. Snaps. I mean, the content matters, right? And I think that it's not just selling because – I mean, of course it's selling because you're a marketing genius and Dreamcatcher Nation is has always had your back <laughs> and all of that. But it's when the product is good, it's good, you know? I yeah. mean, isn't it like where 
opportunity and preparation meet, that's when the real magic happens. And I'm so excited I get to watch it all from my comfy chair and no pressure <laughs> land. Um, <laughs> well, yo, what, so Mandy, exciting. what would we do if it makes New York Times best? So, like, what would we do, Mandra? I've been waiting for you to tell me where I need to show up and how many confetti poppers to bring and <laughs> like what know. kind of champagne you don't like so I, I can drink it by myself. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I would. I, I don't. I just. It's like my mind can't conceive. Like I'm like, yo, I used to teach preschool. I feel like Oprah is listening, and someone <laughs> or the intern who works for the book people at Oprah Inc. or what Harpo and uh, and uh, own. Like, come on, y'all, put a sticker on this book. It, she hasn't had a personal finance book in a long time. Yes. In a very long time. Yes. Ever? Maybe not since David Bach or Susie. Susie, and come yeah. On. It's been a long and time. You're d- come, this has Oprah written all over. <laughs> Oprah, don't let Reese beat you to this, girl. Don't let Reese beat you. <laughs> Oprah needs to get Oprah's favorite thing. We need the Oprah's book club to take yes. notice. That would be Especially amazing. at this moment in our country, people yeah. have been dragged, especially black and brown people have been dragged through it this year. I mean, this yeah. is a great, a great salve to the hearts of, you know, a lot of people who are feeling like we have been left behind by this financial system and we have been left behind in so many ways. And Tiffany, this book is like the great equalizer, you know? Oh, somebody like I I was on this podcast called it um uh I think it's the root. It's lit. It's a literary podcast. And these just these two sisters who love reading and books and one of them um, gave me like the best compliment. She was like, girl, first of all, one, I cried. I'm like, what? She's like, what finance book makes you cry? Not like a cry in a hopeless, but it's like, oh my God, it's for me. And then <laughs> she told me, she's like, this is not nobody's finance book, Tiffany. She said, it's equal parts memoir. Because, you know, I share my story because I want to normalize the financial drama and trauma. It's okay. We've all been through it. She said, equal parts guide because it's an actual step-by-step. This is how you fix maintain, grow, whatever, wherever you are financially. And she, she said equal parts self-help because it really does help you look at where you are and learn not to judge yourself and to be gentle and to give yourself space and grace to grow and learn. And when she said that, when she said like memoir, guide and self-help, I'm like, you know what? She's right. She's like, I've never read a finance book like this before, Tiffany. She's like, it's like sitting with your sister girl who's like, all right, girl, this is the weekend. We're going to get our lives together. Let's walk through it together. And I just, that's what I wanted. I wanted a safe space for our women, you know, like BA listeners, a safe space for you to go to grow when it came to your finances. And I just like, yeah, to just hear from women that it was intended for, say, like, that's exactly how I felt, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just, it just, I'm like, honestly, it just feels... I don't even know. Like, it just feels so, so good and right. I mean, and also, too, I've been working with Dr. Green. Dr. Green is a miracle worker because I'm just in such a better space now because I can actually feel. You know, remember I, remember I was feeling less like a few, <laughs> a few yes. months ago? So Good I can actually enjoy. feel, I know. And that's what it's feeling like. I'm like, oh my gosh, like my synapses are waking up again. I'm like, I feel things. But it just <laughs> feels, it just feels like really good. I'm just like, you know, I'm like. Tiffany, it's okay to say you're proud of yourself, and I am. And just everybody that's made it happen, the budget needs the boosters that I tapped into. So you know me. I don't believe in gurus, and I'm not going to pretend to be your guru. And if I'm getting information from someone who you know, I think is an expert in the space, then I believe that they should get their shine. So I made a, a specific... Like made it my business to reach out to people within the brown ambition financial like world to say, hey, 
you know, I trust you when it comes to this Tony Moore sister, um, Georgetown graduate. I think she's got her master's in law. She's my attorney, and she does my um, she's doing my estate plan. Like, girl, you are a bad man pajama, and I don't want to pretend like I know estate planning other than like the basics. Can you help to pour into me so I can pour to the people? And then I share. This is Tony. My budget needs the booster for this chapter. She's going to be giving us advice along the way. And so certainly you hear my voice, but there are boosting opportunities where Tony jumps in with her expertise. And you'll see that throughout the book. But that was intentional because I want you, the reader, to know that no one has all the answers, including me, especially me. And that, and I also do really believe like sharing the wealth because like Sandy's in the book, Courtney from the Ivy Investor, Kevin from um, um, Building Bread, um, Anjali, who I love, my CFP is in the book. You know we love Nativa, the, the frugal credit nista. Kara, the frugal feminista with her mindset stuff. Ash Cash with his mindset stuff. I really pulled out like, I don't know, like just some amazing people. And like, because you don't see their picture. What I love is there are going to be so many women who are not going to realize like, I put all these brown people in this book. Mm-hmm, girl, that's right. You learn it from brown folks today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean? I, it wasn't, I didn't even think about it, but yes, I was just like, because these are just like the best and brightest that I know. And just thinking about like, you know, let's normalize that. They're like, huh, the best and the brightest that I know happen to be like amazing brown folks. I say brown because Anjali is, um, is Indian, um, although everybody else is black. And so, yeah, I just... Yes, let's get into... Let's get into yes. what people are going to get out of this book. Yes. So I actually went to getgoodwithmoney.com, mm-hmm. okay? And I took the financial wholeness checklist quiz. Is that what we're calling it, quiz? The quiz. And if you want to take the quiz, you can you can go to GGWM, that stands for Get Good With Money, so GGWMquiz.com. So if you want to take the quiz that me and Mandy are about to talk about, you can go and take the quiz. It's like two minutes. You get your results, you get your life, and then I send you like a checklist, like via email to keep with you. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I actually did the checklist to see how financially whole am I? And I thought for sure, like <laughs> I've been talking to you for over five years, once a week, I should definitely be 100% financially whole, but I'm only 80% whole. Okay. That, that's not only, first of all, that's great. Only 80%. And might be more like 75, but I gave myself a full I gave myself a full <laughs> check mark. But let's walk through. We'll walk through each of these and then I will reveal where I am falling short. But the basics, right? Budget building. Mm-hmm. So with budget building, what are we talking about here? And how in the book does the wholeness checklist sort of play into the overall message in the book? So in the book, I really lean into not just like, you know, what you're missing, you know, but like, how do you fix it? How do you get there? And so I want it to be clear, like for budget building, like it literally says, like I have a written and at least partially automated, like transfer, savings, bills, et cetera, personal budget, and you have the necessary checking and savings accounts to support my budget. That part is really important because you ask people, do you have a budget? Yes. Do you have, is it written? Is it partially automated? Is it, you know, do you have, do you have the appropriate, appropriate amount of um bank accounts? Okay, sis, and you don't really fully have a a budget that's sustainable. And so the book teaches you how to create this sustainable, at least partially automated budget, you know, because, you know, like I said, people don't really know 
um, what they don't know when it comes to like, so what should my budget really look like? So that's what you learn in the book. But I'm assuming that's what you, that you got to check on that. You got that. I got to check. And the, my favorite part of the, my budget is the, the fact that I only had to do it once. And then I just automatically, yes. like when I get my paycheck or any income, I have automatic transfers going where they need to go. So that when I look at my checking account, it's just money that I know I can spend which mm-hmm. is my favorite way to budget because um, I don't like spreadsheets all that much. Okay, but number two, noodle budget. So yes. save like a squirrel, mm-hmm. which I love this. I just picture a squirrel eating some ramen <laughs> and it's fine. But a, maybe a noodle budget got a beating this year. <laughs> so yes. This past year, noodle budgets have been beat. Um, but you're very specific about saying not just saving for three months of necessary expenses, i.e. your noodle budget, but doing it in an online-only savings account. Why online-only in particular? Well, because when your when your savings is next to your your regular checking at your brick-and-mortar bank, it's so easy to make that transfer, and it makes your money too convenient. That an online-only savings account, one, you get higher interest, typically. I mean, you know, we know like interest rates are not the greatest right now for savings accounts. But most importantly, it makes your money inconvenient. If you were at Target, everybody's fave, and you're like, ooh, Target, I want this blender, even though I have a blender, but this blender is a red blender, and you're like, okay, checking account says, sis, you know we're empty, stop. Your savings says we have money, but we're supposed to be saving for, I don't know, emergencies or saving for our house. If your savings account is with your checking at the same bank, that transfer is going to take seconds. If it's at at an online-only bank, you're looking at minimum 24 hours the next day, sometimes up to 72 hours, depending if there's a holiday or whatever. So online-only savings makes your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. Absolutely. I got to check for that. Mm -hmm. Digging out of debt number three. So you're either debt-free or you have a clear picture of what and who you owe the money to. And not only that, but you've written down the components of each debt like how much you owe, interest rates. I love how you, the, the the first part of this one, you think, oh yeah, I'm debt free. But then you're like, that's not all. I'm going to like, <laughs> do you have it written down? Do you know this? Do you know that? And you're like, yes. yeah, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've also, ooh, this is another one. So not just that you, you know, you're digging out of debt, but also you've identified and use a debt pay down plan mm-hmm. um, or online bill tool through your bank to automate your payments. Mm-hmm. I did get a check for this because all I have is my mortgage. Good. And so here's the thing. Like, so for some people, debt free, that's great. But if you're not debt free, you still can check this off if you have, you are on, you have a plan. And I show you multiple types of plans. Like, you can use um, the the snowball method, the avalanche method. I like a mix of the two. But I even have this debt sheet in the book that I give you in the back of the book. But also, the book comes with this toolkit that's available at gigawithmoney.com alongside the book. And so I, you know, I give you the, the the template and the resources to lay out your debt so you can see them. And as long as you have a plan to pay them off and that plan is semi-automated, then you could check this off. I, I don't like when it's like, you can't check it off because I'm not debt free. Well, sis, I have a mortgage. I, I'm not going to not going to check off this part because, you know, 30 years from now, you know, that's when my mortgage will be paid off. I'm like, no, as long as you have a plan in place and a clear picture of your debt, you can check this off as, yep. So now, Mandy, I see, okay, you're at 30%. You've got your budget, your savings, and your, your, you at least have a debt plan. Yes. And next one, score high credit. So making sure you have, you know where to get. So you've requested and received a copy of your free FICO credit report and your score 
which you can get a free credit score from just about anywhere these days, mm-hmm. right? And that you have at least a 740. Why 740 FICO credit score? Why is that so important? Well, 740 is the beginning of what's called typically perfect credit, right? So it's not, I mean, eight, well, when it comes to FICO, we know the lowest is 300, highest is 850, but 740 is the beginning of of when you can get the best interest rate. Like when you go for a mortgage, the literally the banker will ask you, do you have a 740 or better? Because that's the number that you start to get like, oh, okay, well then you qualify for the best interest rate. Anything below mm-hmm. that, you know, it doesn't mean you won't get a good interest rate. You just won't get the best that's out there. So I tell people, instead of trying to stretch and reach for an 850, which is great, but guess what? Typically my 740 and your 850 will get me the same interest rate. So 740 is is it's just, it's more than good enough. Love it. I typically use Discover Scorecard to get my FICO, but like every, like banks all offer them now. So it's really hard. And and of course you can use, you know, tools like to get a credit score estimate through Credit Karma or things like that. But credit scorecard is my jam and I am over 740. Okay. Even though, yeah, I don't think about it as much. It was very stressful with the credit you know, before I got the mortgage. But these days I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, just good to have it if you ever need an emergency loan or something like that. I mean, your credit score is really, it's just something to be maintained because mm-hmm. you're going to, when you finally get around to to needing it or, or needing to apply for credit or something where they check your credit, it's it's like currency, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like Tiffany said it best. She, so she said in the book that, which I love, she said, credit is like, girl, I'm going to need you to know me before you need me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way credit works. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm at 40%. Okay. Okay. Five, learn to earn or increase income. What's this one all about? So if 2020 taught us nothing else is that we have to, not that you have to be making money from multiple sources, but you should know how to. That way, if you have to pivot to a different source of income, you can or increase a secondary or third source of income you can. So I want you to identify ways you can contribute value to your job. If you have a job and feel confident, you can leverage them to ask for a promotion or raise. I teach you how to do that in the book. This is a chapter I pull in Sandy because Sandy is like the queen of side hustles. But not just that, you know, Sandy's been in HR for years. So she really helped me to lean into this chapter to teach you how best to ask for a raise and promotion and how to prepare ahead of time. Right. Or also, too, if you already have multiple streams of income, you know how to maximize them or you know how to maximize a skill set so you can have multiple streams of income and you have a plan of action if you desire to make more money. It's really important that you know how to earn more. It's not all about budgeting and saving. Learning to earn is critical. This one's my favorite. And I give myself a big check. (laughs) I mean, I did go into the pandemic uh, with a newborn and like, I think I was one month back on the job before I asked for a promotion and a raise. It just felt right. I don't know why. Something about the, something about that they wouldn't have seen it coming just kind of made me want to do it. Like, what are they going to do? I just came back from mat leave, but let me, let me see what they have going on. <laughs> um, no, I think this is great. And building the confidence to ask. So I will definitely be checking out that chapter because it's so, so important. Love it. And right. also, just so you know, the first five are like the super foundational foundation of, of personal finance. So like, you know, like the bare, the basics, budgeting, savings, debt, credit, learning to earn. Now we're going to go into the next tier, which is the next five. Wouldn't it be scary if I like didn't have any of the top five? <laughs> well, five? No, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know how we are. We're like, gotta do it, gotta do it. But I like, love a checklist. <laughs> I know. No, but you're right. A lot of people. Th- that's why I like that you call it the financial wholeness checklist yes. because, yeah, I mean, you and a lot of people don't think about all this stuff at the same time. You know, they may have one aspect of their their finances, you know, checked off and think that they're good, but but really, when you get down and ask these questions, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they start asking you very specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, oh, well, there's more than just did I wake up today. There's exactly. a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of other things that could be going wrong. Okay, but now we're into the intermediate level. Yes. Number six, invest like an insider. What's yes. this one all about? How do you invest like an insider? So one, insiders know that you investment fall and falls into two major tiers, retirement and wealth. You're really not saving for retirement. Women always say this. It's really you're investing for retirement and investing for wealth. So the difference is this. When you invest for retirement, you are saying, I'm setting aside money and investing it so I can maintain my current lifestyle when I'm no longer working. When you and so it's you're it's literally about you. And only you later on in life. Investing for wealth is different. It's about improving your lifestyle now, currently, and leaving money for heirs. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what now investing for retirement should happen no matter what. Investing for wealth happens after you have the foundational things like budget, save, debt, credit, all that stuff. But investing for retirement happens no matter what because no matter what, your 80 year old self is going to need to eat, it's going to need a safe place to live, it's going to need medicine. It's going to need transportation. You see what I mean? So like retirement is really not optional, but investing for wealth kind of is. Absolutely. I gave myself a check. I love my I love my 401k. <laughs> and but I will say the past 5 year old, 3 years especially, I have had a lot of fun taking the next step beyond just like the target date fund, you know, index fund mm-hmm. investing style and actually investing for wealth and that's been it's been new territory. Yes. But. And just if you guys are listening, you forgot, like, don't forget, this is at ggwmquiz.com for get, get, get Good With Money Quiz. If you want to take the quiz, like, hold up, let me see. Because I would love if you could, like, tweet us, Instagram us, um, um, email us, like, what your, you know, what your um your score is. Yeah, use the hashtag ggwmoney, ggwmoney. Yes. Loves it. All right. Ooh, my ooh, my second favorite. Get good with insurance. Number seven. Ciao. This is where good, good. <laughs> this is where I like at first, but when I was writing this book, this is where I didn't, I was not, I was um, I was 80% because my insurance, and you'll see, like, this is where I was shaky, but now I'm good. Anjali got me all the way together. This is the chapter that I had Anjali really weigh in on because it's Insurance is not just health insurance. You have to think about life insurance, potentially disability, and property and casualty insurance. That's what you think of like home and auto. So are you adequately covered? Do you know the need? So the reason why I was 80% when I first started the book is because I thought I was well insured. Anjali was like, yeah, girl, you're insured like a 27-year-old. I'm like, that's when I got my life insurance. <laughs> She's like, exactly. This life insurance is is is, is enough to protect your 27-year-old self, but not your 40, 41-year-old self. And so this chapter, I think, is really great for people who are like, I did it. I'm good. I'm good. It's like, mm, are you, sis? How's your insurance looking? Insurance is your is a risk management tool. You know, are you managing risks in your life? Like, are you managing risks against your assets, against your life, against your earning potential, against your property? So I think this is going to be a really great chapter for folks. 
Love it. This was the one I finally got together when I when I had the baby. It was like I left the hospital. And I was like, oh, I have to get some life insurance now. I have a reason. Mm-hmm. And I will say the pandemic kind of threw me off because it was like the people literally they come to your house and they do uh, like a or you go there sometimes, but they do like a, a physical, you know, yes. urine sample. I think he took blood. I don't, it was like four in the morning. I don't know. I got a really early appointment. It's all a blur, but finally got it done back in August. And I think that's the most common question I see is how much is enough for life insurance? Um, for me, it was 10x. Yes. I just used that rule of thumb. Yep. 10x my household income. And, you know, luckily got approved and all of that. Where's the best, because people may not know where to start shopping for um, an insurance policy. And by the way, we're talking about life insurance, but also just do you have enough home insurance? Do you have enough property insurance, Mm -hmm. you know? So making sure that you're covered for those types of things is important too. Mm -hmm. So one of of my favorite sites that I I, I mentioned in the book is uh, Policy Genius, because Policy Genius is not just going to help you look for um, health insurance. You can just, you can literally take a quiz and it'll let you know like, oh girl, you got a pet. What about um, Kiki, Kiki the kitten? Do you have pet insurance? You know, so Policy Genius is actually going to show you where you have like plugs or holes in your insurance and make suggestions for you. So that's one. And there's also Select Quote. That's another one. I think it's like, yes, that's another one um, uh, that I like. And so like just getting with it, when it comes to insurance, you know, if you're not working with a financial planner like I was, you know, taking one of those quizzes to see like, you know, do I have enough insurance is a great place to start. So you can slowly but surely start plugging those holes because the older you get, the more critical insurance becomes, especially if you have dependents, especially children. Yep. Love it. Okay. Three more. I'm at 70% so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grown rich. Oh, no. Grow richish. Mm-hmm. Increase your net worth. So this is when you know how to calculate your net worth, which is what, Tiffany? So your net worth is what you own, all your assets, minus what you owe, all your liabilities. So the owning things put money into your pocket. The owing things take money out. So assets versus liabilities, that is what net worth is. And so you have to know how to calculate it, which I show you how to identify your assets, to identify your liabilities. I actually have a net worth um, worksheet in the book. Um, it's also in your Get Good With Money like, toolkit, like I told you, that's available where the book is available on getgoodwithmoney.com. There's a toolkit there, I mean, um, a worksheet there. And um, you want you to, like, if you don't have positive net worth, you should be learning how to increase it. And even if you do, how to increase it by increasing assets and decreasing liabilities. Loves it. This one, I cheat. I use one of those money management apps, which has all the information between my husband and myself. And then it's a really pretty chart that we watch go up and down. And it okay. kind of shows your net worth, net worth, which, um, yeah, I love it. And it also... Thinking about if you have a mortgage, I was always thinking of a mortgage as, oh, this is a huge hit to my net worth. But then you forget about the asset side of it. You know, so your appraised home value is the asset, which, you know, you factor in. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) People People always get that messed up. They're like, is a house an asset or liability? I was like, it's really both. Like Mm -hmm. like you said, like the value of your home is the is the asset and then the mortgage you have out on that home is the liability it's like okay you know so um yeah that's a yeah that's why so many folks got burned during the housing crisis because yes. they their home was not worth the amount of money they had um taken mm-hmm. out against it so their debt they just owed more than the house was worth so that's the nightmare situation oh, luckily not happening here okay 
Net worth. Okay, two more. Okay, so this is obviously we're down to the last two. We can probably figure out where Mandy has some uh, work to do. But number nine, pick your money team, financial professionals. So this is where you have. So how do you define what's your money team, Tiffany? Because we get asked about you know, financial planners. Um, but what else? Who else is on your ideal money team? So it depends on where you are in life. So at the very least, I say every single person needs an accountability partner. It could be your work mom. It could be your bestie. It could be your spouse, your partner. It could be your sister, your brother, your uncle, cousin, whoever. I do believe that money is a team sport. And if you work on it with someone, and when I mean work on it, not like they have to be experts, but just like, okay, I'm doing my budget this week. Are you going to do yours this week? Okay, I'm saving. Yay, that's good. Okay, you know, someone to keep you motivated, someone to help normalize the process because they're going through it as well, someone to encourage you, you know, and sometimes someone even to set the example because maybe they're better at something else than you when it comes to their finances. So accountability partner across the board. And I always, you know, y'all know I have the Dreamcatchers group on Facebook. Dreamcatchers live richer with the budgetista. And I tell people, if you don't know anybody in real life that you can get an account, get to be your accountability partner, you can always find one in that group. It's like half a million of us in there all working on our finances together. So that's for sure. But then there are people like a certified financial planner. You know, this is someone who typically they say you should have about $250,000 of assets to invest before it kind of makes financial sense. So you might not need one, but that's someone just to keep in mind. An insurance broker. Now, this you might not need, um, but if you're someone like me who I have several businesses, so I have an insurance broker. Shout out to you, David. Because, you know, with my businesses and then my personal life, like um, I have to have someone who is looking at my my insurance collectively to see, like th the other day, David's like, hey, if we switch, switch to travelers, we can save you and Superman $3,000 a year. I was like, let's do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, an estate planning attorney, you may or may not need one, but I wanted to put it out there. What I love about in the book is that I explain who these people are whether or not you may or might not need it, how much they typically get paid if it makes sense, and how they're usually paid. And, and last but not least, a CPA, a certified public accountant. You don't necessarily need one because you might do your own taxes. If you've got a simple 1040 easy, you know, turbo tax is fine, you know? So I just share in, in this particular part of the book, these are just like, hey, here's who you might consider um, and why, but make the best choice for you when it comes to picking your money team. Yeah, I think that so for me, the one that like, I don't think I need an insurance broker. Um, I do have a CFP that I work with every once in a while. Helen's probably like, you haven't called me in a minute. What's going on? Um, but for me, this this is it's sort of a combo between nine and 10, which is leave a legacy about estate planning. I don't feel like I've gotten my estate planning down the way that I or you know what, even just to have a professional look at my look at my stuff and say, yeah, okay, you've got a plan because I don't have a plan like written down. I've got my beneficiaries checked off. I got my little life insurance, but I just really want to make sure that my family is, yeah, is set up and my legacy is, my financial legacy lives on. So let's talk about number 10, mm -hmm. leaving a legacy. So what now is that for you? Here's why I am 90% as well. Like, I think that people don't get, you know, I'm all the way transparent. Like, I am working on, I, I probably was 100% before because financial wholeness is very fluid, right? So mm. I could have been 100% before because um, I didn't need a trust before, but I've grown. My assets have grown to a, a space and a place where I need a trust now. So I'm no longer 100%. I'm 90. So I'm working on 
a trust now with Tony Moore, my, my attorney. My husband and I are. So with leaving a legacy estate planning, this is when you've identified and completed the components of an estate plan. So that is potentially a will, trust, beneficiaries on your account, you know, and you have executed, signed, and funded your estate plan. Tony, which oddly enough, told me that many people will work with her for six months to do a trust and then not put the stuff into trust and fund it. She's like, so you paid all this money for me to make your trust, but it's almost like they're afraid if they create the trust or the will that the next day they pass away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's all this is so wrapped up in the emotions behind death. That's why mm-hmm. it's for me, even just getting life insurance, I have to stop myself from thinking about the reason I'm getting this is so if I die, but I'm not gonna die, am I not for my baby? Like, yes, it's really it's hard. The emotions of it are really mm-hmm. hard to unpack. You have to kind of like compartmentalize it all. Exactly. And so like, I just honestly, like financial wholeness is my love language. Like here's what, because people ask me like, what is, because so the book is called Get Good With Money, 10 Simple Steps to Becoming Financially Whole. And so like folks ask me like, what is financial wholeness? That is when these 10 components that I just went over really like kind of work together as a team to create the strongest financial foundation possible. It means that when pandemic and quarantine and these things happen, not that you won't have any financial trauma or drama, but that you won't be shocked, like rocked to the core, like maybe you otherwise would have been because you have these things in place. And it's not something that you're gonna, you're not gonna do this in six months or in a year. These are gonna be things that you slowly grow to. And what will happen is as your life grows, things will look different. So financial wholeness for your 21-year-old self is different than financial wholeness for your 40-year-old self. Like I said before, when I was um 27, my estate planning, I was fine because I had all I I didn't really have much of um in the way of assets, but the assets I did have, like my I had a, a, a life insurance policy and my bank accounts, my mom and my sisters and my father were the beneficiaries on all of that. That's estate planning for a 20-something-year-old with no children, you know, and no like major assets. That was fine. So what's so great about financial wholeness is that it grows up with you. That as you grow up, you start to realize that you can look back and say, oh, my insurance, like I just got good with insurance because my insurance before was fine, but now I'm married. I've got a bonus daughter. I've got nieces and nephews. I've got um, additional businesses. So as a result, my insurance had to grow to meet me where I was. And so financial wholeness, just know that you're ever evolving. And why I like financial wholeness versus financial freedom is that many financial freedom just seemed so, um, it was not inclusive, right? So with financial freedom, typically people say like, kind of like they have like this money set aside, and it allows them not to work anymore. And that's great. But are you fully insured? I wasn't. Do you have an estate plan? It doesn't address that. You know what I mean? Like, do you have your like your financial team set up? So maybe you have a budget and you're saving, but just because you're financially free, because I was financially free, but I was not financially whole, there's more protection and, and and your ability to maintain where you are with financial wholeness. And I would say financial freedom is for a few people, but financial wholeness is literally for everyone. So if this is just a tiny nugget of what the book is like, I can't wait to give it to my cousin. 
and read it for myself. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want the audiobook. Even though I talk to you every week, I feel like the audiobook's probably really good. <laughs> you know, I I there's a clip that we were posting, and I was so nervous to listen to it because I was like, oh god, because you just don't know how you sound. I'm like, was I sounding stupid? You know, was I talking too fast? Da, da, da. So they they gave me this clip of like I'm telling the story like of one of my first financial lessons. Because my sister Tracy was like, and if you, I mean, if you know sisters, they don't care anything about your feelings. Like, hmm. my sisters were literally like, mm, that picture of you on the cover of your book, it's cute, but you're smiling too hard, girl. I'm in gums. I'm like, tell Jesus, because he made my <laughs> smile. You tell Jesus. Like, literally, that's what was happening in the WhatsApp, in the group chat. My sisters were going back and forth about, is it too gummy? It is. I was like, I'm here. I can I can read. I can see you. Oh, God. <laughs> but that's sisters, you know? So I don't, you know, your sisters are going to tell you like it is, especially Tracy. So when she said, did you listen to the audio version, like the clip they sent you? And I was like, because she's my publicist. And I was like, I was waiting for her to like, you know, crack a joke and be like, sis, you sounded terrible. But it is what it is. Because she'll say something like that. And she was like, it was good. I was like, okay. She's like, no. She's like, you know how like I hear you talk all the time? And I'm like, nobody cares. And I heard that story so many times. And I'm like, nobody cares. She's like, I listened to the whole thing. Like I leaned in. I was like, what? A nice word? On the New York Times bestsellers list, quote, <laughs> Sister Tracy had nothing mean to say about it. I was like, what? She's like, no, for real, it's good. I was like, you're not just being nice. She looked at me like, girl, why would I just be nice? <laughs> yeah. So, I, seriously, if you got some Audible credits knocking around like I do, what? I'm about to... I'm about I, to go there right I now. I ordered mine. Like, I did because I had, like, four credits, and it was, like, one credit. So I got it because I was like, I want to hear it. So, yes, for sure, though. But but if y'all want to help me, you know, make it to the New York Times, um, then they don't count Audible. You should certainly use your Audible credit. They don't count Audible. They only count, like, the hardcover books and, like, the ebooks. You're kidding. Mm-mm, I don't think that so. Is, mm-hmm. That is But I still say get it. You know, like, if you got a free cre- credit, I still say, you know, get it. Um then you have both. Then you can take it in the car with you or on your walks. Mm-hmm. And then you come back home with your cup of coffee and then you keep reading, you know, the real <laughs> book. It's like, get good. <laughs> get good. That's, that's a symphony that's the of level me. on that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys are wanting to get, it should be in the show notes, but certainly go ahead to getgoodwithmoney.com. One of the things I'm committed to doing is that we try to do a rotation of like, I showcase a black bookstore at the top of the page. So you can like you can order from all these other places. And I have all the logos, like at Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and Target and all those places. But at the very, very top, I say, want to support a black bookstore? So the one that's currently there, depending when you're listening, but if you're listening like the week of pub date, 3, 3, um, 30, um, uh, 2021, what's currently showcased is a um, bookstore in my hometown called Source of Knowledge. It's an amazing Black-owned bookstore in Newark. And Mandy, the story is so amazing. So, you know, Newark is totally like gentrifying, like trying to be Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And this Black-owned bookstore, the woman who owns it, nobody wanted to like buy anything in Newark, not any business owner. She bought the building years ago for pennies because no one, Newark, ew, we don't want it. Now that downtown Newark is like beautifying itself, I mean, big hotels and all these things are coming to downtown Newark. They tried to buy hers. They bought all the other little mom and pop stores around her. And she was like, nope, I want source of knowledge, black bookstore that carries black books to be in the middle of all of that. And they're like, what about this? Nope. What about that? Nope. They even tried to buy the air rights so they can build on top of her. Can you imagine? What? And they weren't able to. Mm-hmm. And so it's so like, she's just, it's just like the woman who's there, they have African mass in there. You Like I used to go in there in college and you could just discover so many amazing books. I have never seen more 
black children on books than in that bookstore. I didn't even know all these black children's books existed. She's got children's books, adult books, romance novels, everything. Like, it's just... So I say all that to say... It's currently right at the top of my page if you want to support um, a local uh, Black-owned bookstore. And I do a rotation. Before that, I had Mahogany Books, which is, I forget what they're based out of, but they're an amazing bookstore as well. And so I'll just be doing a rotation probably like every month or maybe every quarter to to showcase a Black-owned bookstore so they get some shine over there. But yeah, this has just been, like I said, it's been an awesome experience and just the way it's been rolling out. You know, like go to getgoodwithmoney.com to support, take the quiz. There's the toolkit that's there. High key, low key, you don't have to pay to get the toolkit. Everybody's like, you're not gonna make people pay. I'm like, girl, it's just part of the book. You know me, I love a free, like free. in the tool. <laughs> I do because I'm just like, uh, the toolkit has all of the resources that I list in the um, book by chapter. Like if I say, I have a, my favorite um, banks, I list my favorite banks. If I say my favorite ways to get your credit report, I list them there. So that's like that's what's in the toolkit. Um, so I mean, it doesn't kind of make sense without the book, but certainly you know you can stick your head in if you want to take a look, look see. Um, but yes, the baby is born. Oh, and please leave a review, five stars. Um, I'm not allowed to say that, but six stars. <laughs> and please, 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 when you physically get your book to post it on social and to tag me so I can reshare it, please. Like just, you know, Tiffany, I got my book and tag me. And so my promise is this. Once I get to 500 reviews on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, I'm going to do a free mini book club where we'll pick a chapter collectively together. We'll read it. And then we'll have a, like a session, like a, you know, a jam session one night, like a two hour session going over that chapter. So that is my gift to you. Once I get to 500 reviews, on Amazon and on Barnes and Nobles, we'll do a book club for free. Oh my gosh! I mean, I just know I got teary eyed when Molly Moore came in the mail. Oh. <laughs> so I can't even, and I can't wait till Rio's big enough to where I trust him to not rip the pages yeah. and he can actually read it because yeah. that's on the way top of the bookshelf. Yeah. Um, but yes, I am. I'm going to contact, and if you guys too, like Tiffany said, contact your local bookstores and ask if they have it, and yes. ask your library. Yes. Ask your library if they have it. I'm yes. planning on calling. Yes, I'm going to call my my local bookstore and see if they've got it. And then I'm going to go, I'm, 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 I'm going to get in the car tonight and try and go find this damn thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, Barnes & Nobles has it. Just ask them. You got yes, me out go, here in the streets. <laughs> go to local Barnes & Nobles saying, hey, I'd like Gekka with money. Thanks. Yes. I'm going to say it very loud. Excuse me. <laughs> There's a best-selling book. <laughs> That I've heard about by Tiffany Aliche. Uh, well, seriously. Okay, this was so fun. I can't believe this is final. We finally talking about the book. It's launching this week. You guys go to getgoodwithmoney.com, buy a book, and don't just buy one. Buy one for a friend. College is, you know, college graduation's coming up. I can see this being the book that you don't just give to a college grad once, but they carry it through them, through with them, through the next like couple decades of their life, even. I'm gonna put this book in my estate plan. Oh, Mandy, I love you. Mandy just texted me that her Can proof I... of purchase of the of the um of the audio <laughs> version. First of all, Mandy, I just love at the bottom that you are clearly listening to Harry Potter and the Deathly House <laughs> because it shows you what she's listening to currently. I'm like, oh, why are you gonna call me out like that? <laughs> I was like, look at Mandra, listen to Harry Potter while buying get giving money. She's like, I'm an adult but a kid, but an adult but a kid. I listen to Harry Potter to go to sleep at night. It puts me at ease. Don't it's my meditation. Okay, I love it. No, but I love it though. I was like, oh. Look. I was like, what's this at the bottom? 
Harry Potter. Hmm, interesting. I have all seven. Don't at me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm just, I can't stop gassing you up because it's like, how often do you get to gas up your friend for their huge book that's coming out? So if it's annoying to you listeners, who cares? Um, love it. Thank you so. I mean, thank you. Thanks, Tiffany. Yes. Thank you. Thank you and congrats. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back to answer your questions semi-live on the show. Yes. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know we work hard and we play hard, but when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what. I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Security. Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed.
Okay, BA fam, we are back. And this is so exciting. So exciting, y'all, For especially for 80s babies where it's like, you know, no one uses voicemail anymore. But we are finally able to take y'all's questions via voicemail. You can call us to submit your questions to the show now. Again, that number is 844-858-8080. 844-858-8080. And we're actually, we have, I hear that we have some voicemail. We have some questions. Is that right, Producer Sarah? Yes, we do. Okay, let's hear them. I'm ex- I'm nervous. Like yes. <laughs> I'm like, look, it does feel very 80s baby. <laughs> we screen these, right? They're not just going to be like, we hate you. <laughs> no, they're amazing. It should be all ambition, not brown ambition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So let's get to our first voicemail. This one's actually just a shout out for you guys. It's super sweet. Here it is. Hello, guys. I just want to say I'm just so proud of you guys and um, Tiffany, congratulations on your NAACP nomination. You are such an inspiration. And you are just showing us what happens when we show up for ourselves and others. So keep doing your thing. And, again, I've been following you guys for, for a very long time. I'm on Instagram, Coach by Cabello. Oh, that was so sweet. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I didn't win the NAACP award. It went to Tabitha Brown, which honestly, I voted for her too. Because she's just amazing. (laughs) No, I voted for myself as well, but she's just amazing. And I I didn't feel bad about it at all because I just, just to be nominated was was an honor and she, she truly deserved. I mean, not to say I didn't deserve, but yeah. She truly deserved. My brown boost was going to be your phenomenal ensemble. You looked gorgeous, darling. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, Any more questions? Any more voicemail? Yeah, we have a few more. Here's the next one. Hi, ladies. Longtime listener here. So excited that you guys have this voice note option. I love the show. And a quick question. For the custodial brokerage account, are you nervous that someone may steal Rio's, like, social and, like, his identity out there? Um, I'm just so nervous of doing some things that possibly may um, cause her to have identity theft. What tips or tricks do you have for that? All right. Can't wait to hear back from you guys. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about just, you know, how you, when you save for your kids, how you do that. And you're right. When you, when you fill out uh, a bank application, you know, opening account or however you call it, an application form, Mm -hmm. they do ask for your child's social security number. And it's true that babies are like us you know they have social security numbers and there is you know there sometimes child children can be the victim of identity theft although i will say you know who the like most common perpetrator of child identity theft is parents parents so (laughs) as long as you aren't trying to uh, take out some credit in your kid's name they should be all right but um no it's it's a valid it's not specific to you know opening a bank account for a kid but yeah, I think you just have to be vigilant the same way you are about your own information. And I will say, I don't know why, but I had this vivid memory in elementary school filling out school forms and you would just write your social security number down on paper. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Lord knows where those went. <laughs> but I feel like if you really want to steal some identities, just go into any uh, school principal's <laughs> office and just root around the filing cabinet. Someone's like, oh, thanks. Great idea. I'll be right back. BRB. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think uh, your your child your child might have a credit report 
when they get older. So, you know, one thing you can do is to check and see around the time they turn 16, check and, you know, just go to annualcreditreport.com and see if you can pull a credit report. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can and there's stuff on it, then that's a good, (laughs) that's a good uh, hint that there may be something amiss. And, and, you know, from there, so let's say you do find something, you know, someone has applied for a job or a student loan or a car or even rented an apartment with your child's information, that is time when you can do something like place a credit freeze, which is when you're not allowed to open new credit without passing a certain number of steps, um, or even disputing or definitely disputing the the fraudulent activity through the three credit bureaus. And I remember, I don't know, I probably told you guys a couple times when I was 18, I think someone took out a credit card in my name. When did I find out? When I was applying for my first apartment in New York City. And I got majorly denied because I had this, you know, this horrible mark on my credit report and I had to dispute it and all that stuff. So it can happen. But um, yeah, that's all. Anything you want to add to that, Tiff? No, I mean, all of us, you said, honestly, that you you can protect your child's credit the way you would kind of protect your own. There's certainly like even LifeLock, honestly, you can add like your whole family on. That's what um, Superman and I mm. do. But I feel like not to say people don't steal children's credit. It's just that there's not much to be gained as much as it like I'd, I'd be, you know, definitely, you know, be, um, you know, you want to have like a keep an eagle eye out. But but especially for your own, quite honestly, because that's what they're that's what they're going and gunning after because they're more likely to get more with yours. But but certainly lock it down, LifeLock and other services like that if you're nervous about it. Yep. Okay, this is fun. I love hearing y'all's voices. I know. Thank you for the question. Okay, last but not least, who do we have? Our last one is from Eric in Nashville. Hey, Mandra. Hey, Tiffany. This is Eric from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I have a quick dilemma I wanted to know if you guys can help me with. I want to get a new car for my birthday in December. I'm currently paying down credit card debt. Now, I have a little bit over a balance of 8000 but I do have the money in my savings to pay the card off. Should I just pay the card off and pay myself back, or should I just continue to make the payments until it's fully paid off in November? Please let me know. I love how he called me Mandra. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> hey, Eric from Nashville. I love your accent, first of all. We were just gushing over it. So mm-hmm. first of all, love that you're listening. Ew. I know we always talk to the ladies, but you know, we got some gentlemen here too as well. Um, uh, all right. So AK yes. in credit card debt, but wants a new car. He mean, he deserves a tiff. Shouldn't he get a new car for his birthday? Well, we all deserve good things, but it's not about <laughs> it's not about whether you know you deserve. Well, I mean, certainly, I think that you should have something nice. But what you really deserve, above all else, is to be able to afford it, not just pay for it. So I'll say this: um, I don't believe in draining savings in order to pay down debt, only because if 2020's raggedy behind didn't teach us nothing, is the importance of having some savings. Yep. And so it makes me a little nervous to be out here without savings now because you're assuming that nothing dramatic or traumatic is going to happen to you financially, that you'll be able to put that money back. What if you can't? Then what? And then what? It just came to me when I was like, then what? It's like, <laughs> it's a Jeezy it's a Jeezy, it's a Jeezy song. And then what? He's like, first. I got like WWE vibes. Well, Jeezy has a very WWE. His voice is very. So... That's what I would say is that like um, if that eight thousand is three months worth of your, your like you know your expenses, I'd leave it alone. 
and just be patient because here's the thing about birthdays. God willing, they come around every year. And the good thing about cars is they don't have to be purchased on your birthday. They could just be purchased. So you could tell yourself it's a belated birthday gift when you have it to, to get. You know, I want you to, I just, I just feel nervous about you draining savings, especially during times like now. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of like, it's the classic conundrum of how do I get to a goal that I want, but I also have some, I also have some other things I need to do at the same time. So he wants a car, he wants to pay down his credit card debt, and he wants to not drain his savings. So I would say if you were to drain your savings to pay off the credit card debt, like Tiffany said, I mean, that that might sound okay because it might sound like a good idea because then you don't have the credit card debt, but then you also don't have cash for a down payment on your car. And, you know, you may end up taking out a much longer term auto loan at a higher interest rate, potentially, depending on your credit score. And, you know, over time, you'll spend a lot more paying down that loan than you would if you were able to, you know, make a down payment and take out a smaller loan for your auto loan. So I I feel like there's a way to accomplish these goals, but definitely not all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because like Tiffany said, you don't want to... You don't want to drain your savings accounts, then you're you don't have any safety net. I would say the debt is a pressing concern, especially if it's credit card debt. And I mean, if you were able to save eight thousand, I feel like you can definitely maybe put pause on contributing heavily to your savings account and put that extra money instead toward your debt. You know, if, especially if, like Tiffany said, if that's three months of your savings or more, then I think you're in a good place where you could say, okay, cool, got it, got a got a safety net. Now let's start putting everything I can toward this other debt. And then when you feel confident that you have money, you have your debt paid down, and then you have some money to put down on a car, get a car that you can afford. Mm -hmm. I can't say it enough. Auto debt is like, Americans love them some auto debt. And, you know, it's, it, it does, I get it. We need cars to get around, but I just don't want, I don't, I feel like people just sometimes take on way more auto debt than they need. They get more cars than they absolutely need because of appearances. I'm just going to say it. And I'm not saying that's what you're after, Eric. You sound like a very humble gentleman just trying to make your way in this crazy world. But um, yeah, definitely think about what you can afford. And I love the, um, what is it, the 4, 10, 20 rule Mm -hmm. for buying a car. Dang it. I'm going to have to Google it because I always forget (laughs) what it is. Ah, help me out here. Wait, 4, 10, 20 rule. For cars, I'm gonna put this in the in the show notes. So you should only buy a car. This is a rule of thumb. You don't have to like follow it completely, but a good rule of thumb when you can make a 20% down payment when you're financing the car for four years or less, and the total cost of your monthly car expenses, um, so like insurance, gas, and the actual um, car note doesn't exceed 10% of your gross income. That's the 24-10 rule. I kind of got it right. Um, that's a good rule of thumb to start when you actually start shopping for a car. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, thank you all so much for sending in your questions. Again, hit us up, 844-858-8080. 844-858-8080. We're going to come up with a jingle. Yes, like we, we do. There's a lot of eights in there. I don't know. There's yes. like four eights. I got to do some. And I like the 8080 is like, do we do like 8080? You know, 80. like, I feel like we should come up with the jingles that's very much like, you know, 1990s, like 1 800 Empire. You know, like the Empire Tires. Is it tires? I don't know what they sold. But either way, we need to come up with a very 90s th- jingle. We'll do it. Hey, we'll do, we'll- if you got a jingle, I mean, 
<laughs> we would love, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Manny's probably going to be like, what? We didn't discuss this, but I'd love to hear your version of my hey, 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 we're black, we're back, we're, we're black, we're brown ambition. I would love to hear that in the <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm all about that. Right? It's a voicemail. Well, first of all, Sarah's like, I don't want to listen to a bunch of people warbling <laughs> on our voicemail. If it sounds but. cute, we might open with you, girl. Do your best. You know, <laughs> if you can make a jingle out of our radio number, I would I would definitely be down to share that on the show. Yes. 844-858-8080. That's all the material you have. Oh, and we're called Brown Ambition. There yes. you go. Go forth and conquer. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to do an intro for a boost and break? Yes, now it's time to boost or break or boost or break or booster or break. <laughs> Are you going to boost? Mm-mm-mm. Are you going to break? You going to boost? You going to break? I can hear Rio. Aw. <laughs> He's having a ball. Don't feel bad for him. <laughs> oh, Mandra, are you going to boost or are you going to break? I have to do a break because Georgia's up to no good. Oh, saint it. it. Georgia, you saved us and now you're trying to undo it. Well, listen, I will keep this brief, but essentially in Georgia, Georgia Republicans passed a sweeping voter law that pretty much is a new form of Jim Crow in a way. It has restricted voting access in the state. It's making it more difficult to bring proper identification. So it's increasing the voter identification requirements for absentee voting. It's, or sorry, absentee balloting. It's limiting drop boxes. Those were the really cool, you know, drop boxes you could use in the pandemic to save your life, you know, to stay in line. And they are expanding the state legislator's power over elections. So it actually makes Georgia this is according to the New York Times, the first major battleground to overhaul its election system since last year's presidential contest. So it's ironic that everyone praised Georgia, especially if you were, you know, voting Democrat and wanted a certain election outcome. Um, You know, Georgia went blue for the first time in decades. And it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter It does matter who the president is. Don't get me wrong. But it matters even more to pay attention to what's happening on your state Capitol Hill and your state legislature. So if you're listening and you're from Georgia, make noise. You know, even though this law has passed, it's being widely, widely disputed. So make some noise. Um, Voting rights groups like Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action um, that I've been supporting for a long time, they are out there making noise and they're asking businesses to withdraw support of certain candidates and certain legislators who have voted for this particular piece of legislation. But yeah, it's really, really terrifying. This is not the direction that I think we should be going. Voting should be getting easier. It should not be getting harder. It's really just a a, a very thinly veiled effort to suppress mm-hmm. votes that are not convenient to a certain political party. So womp, 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 but that's my break. Oh, yes, I saw that. And I was like, thankfully, Stacey Abrams, you know, she is very clear and understanding what this is. They're calling these like Jim Crow laws, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So I I had an original boost, but it's it flew the coop because, you know, brains in 80. So instead, I am going to boost one of my favorite Instagram accounts because he does these cartoons. So his, the guy's name is a vision poet, right? Vision, V-I-A. S-I-O-N, poet, P-O-E-T. So his Instagram account, he is a poet from Philly. 
And I'm assuming we're around the same age just because like the stuff that he talks about. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I remember those times. So he um, does poetry, but that's not what makes his Instagram account so great. He's got this animated series that he's created that he calls Trash Trasterpiece instead of Masterpiece, but Trash, Trasterpiece Theater, where he tells stories about his trash youth, meaning like when he was basically like, you know, a terrible boyfriend or like, you know, or just like him and his friends, but it, they are hilarious. And the fact that they are animated and he's made them, I just, to me, it's like much watch, must watch TV. I think he posts like a new one every Sunday. When I say hilarious and like the most buttoned up people I will see like in the comments or liking, I'm like, you watch too? It's not like he's, <laughs> it's not like he's got like a thousand, well, he does have thousands of them. But not like hundreds of thousands of followers or anything like that. But he is hilarious. Like these, because you're like, oh my God, I remember those times. What? It's just really good. And like I said, I think they he drops a new one every Sunday. You're definitely going to go down a rabbit hole and watch all of them. He's really, really, really funny. And it just kind of takes you back for me anyway, since, you know, I was, I'm 41. Like I, like I said, he's the way, the things that he talks about, like so reminiscent. So if you're in my age range, I think you'll find true delight in them as you shake your head. So that is my boost. You know, sometimes I like giving shout outs to Instagram accounts that, you know, bring a little joy, you know, I mean, to anyone the world. who's followed by the budget needs to quest love and Tiffany Haddish is <laughs> a okay. Oh, they follow me. Yeah. So I didn't know that, but like, yeah. And I really, yeah. He's just, when I say hilarious, you watch and you are just a giggling, like, oh my gosh. And they're usually about like maybe like three or four minutes, maybe five minutes. I don't even know. But they're just really, really well done, funny. Yeah, just hilarious. So I just encourage you if you're just looking for like a little space away. He has serious stuff on there, you know, which is great, you know, indulge. But, you know, if you need a little breakaway, I suggest you do, you go ahead and do all that. And if you have not already, head to your local Browns and, Brown, Browns and Noble. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? I know. <laughs> head to your local Barnes and Oh, this is what, what I remember my real boost. I just wanted to give a boost to Dr. Green. Just like the breakthroughs I've been having have been, and I'll share them like like it was a really good lesson that I learned in our last session. I want to share it with you guys. You know how I like to share because I think it's gonna be so helpful for someone. That's what my my boost was. But um, so I'll share it, you know, uh, you know, next week. But just like I just see and feel the growth. She gave me like a standing ovation, I mean via Zoom, because I shared with her something that I did, and she was like, just a minute ago, you was afraid to do this small thing. Now look at you over here doing big things, Tiffany. And so I've just been growing so much and just like, just the power of asking for help, whether it's therapy or coaching or in between. Um, and I, like I said, I can't wait to share the lesson because it was so profound for me. And I know that someone's going to get great value from it. So I'm going to make myself a note so my brain does not forget again. But yeah, that's that's it for me. I love it. And Mental Health Awareness Month is coming up. I Ooh. feel like we need to make that a moment. Okay. Well, congrats, Tiff. This is, you're only going to get your book launch, your first book launch, major published book launch week uh, once, I think, right? So I hope you find some time to enjoy it, even though I know you're working so, so hard this week. Just let me know if you need me to hype, you know, where you want me to show up with the confetti, the the champagne that I'll drink myself, whatever you need. I am so, so proud of you. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Go to getgoesmoney.com.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.